Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where we review movies from our nostalgic younger days, we review TV shows, and we also do some recastings of what those shows or movies might be like using actors of today. In this episode, we have all the muscle, all the steroids, <laughs> all the manliness you could ever want in a single episode. <laughs> we have the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, The Running Man from 1987, and we are going to also review review the 1989 to 1996 reality sports game show American Gladiators. I am super excited. Pumped up! Yes. We are also going to do a recasting of The Running Man using some actors of modern times to see what kind of remake we could do. I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, we are both Arnold fans. We've already done an Arnold movie in Red Sonia, but that one isn't as big of an Arnold kind of film as The Running Man. Like, this is a real traditional Arnold movie. You get so many good one-liners. And some bad one-liners, too. Oh, a whole bunch. But it's one that um, I've seen a lot of times. Like, this is probably one of my favorite Schwarzenegger. I mean, I say that about every Schwarzenegger movie, though. Yeah. This is, uh, this is, this is a fun one that I remember, so... This is probably my top five Arnold movies. Yeah. Okay, oh, okay. alright, alright, fine. Let's jump into the top five Arnold movies. Okay. Let's see what we got. I'm gonna say... God damn, is number one T2 or is number one Predator? Fuck! <laughs> I'm going to probably say, even though Terminator 2 is the better movie, Predator is my favorite Arnold movie. That's what I'm going to I'm going to go Predator, then Terminator 2. God, I think I like this one better than Terminator. Uh, Running Man, personally. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Pumping Iron, which you don't think of as an Arnold movie, but I love that one. That's probably in my top five. Okay. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not going to do any order, but like probably the top fives will be Predator, T2, Running Man, Pumping Iron, and maybe True Lies. I'm a big fan of True Lies. Okay. No, that's a good one. Oh, oh, I just remembered Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, uh, it true lies is a bit. Uh, you know what? I'm sticking with what I said. What do you got? Mine's probably going to be Predator as well as my top one. That movie just rocks all the way through. The rest of them, I'm not going to, I don't really have an order for yet because I didn't really think about it so much. We just kind of did this on the fly. Yeah. So, so, all right. So Predator, T2, Running Man, Commando. Oh, Commando's fun. Damn. That's a fun one with like yeah. chock full of silly shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say Twins. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Twins for me is going to be much more of a nostalgia factor than yeah. what is a good movie because I remember we watched that movie so many times when we were younger. Yes, yes. Also, honorable mention to Kindergarten Cop, True Lies, Terminator. Even Eraser was pretty good. Eraser was fun. Yeah. That was the one where he shoots an alligator and he says, Your luggage. It was so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, I like the commando call. That's a good one that uh, a, a lot of people I think have, a, there's a lot of fantastic lines in commando uh, and it's, and it is like maybe the epitome of Arnold movie. Yeah. Uh, neither of us said Conan, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know what? I'm not that big of a Conan fan. Yeah. I liked Red Sonja more than I liked Conan. We both grew up on Red Sonja more than we did on Conan. So yeah. I kind of agree with you there. They're fun, particularly the first one. The second one's not as good. Right. But yeah, Red Sonja was always like the one I kind of watched more and gravitated more towards anyway. His character was much more uh, fun, I thought, in Rensonia. Arnold spends a lot of the beginning of Conan basically just kind of grunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You say that like it's a problem. Could listen to that man grunt all day. I don't really know how to take that. Anyway. <laughs> 
Speaking of uh, 1987, let's take a look at some things that happened in 1987. Uh, a little movie called Three Men and a Baby, top of the box office. It's sad to talk about now, but Bill Cosby topped the Nielsen ratings with both The Cosby Show and A Different World. Was he a producer on Different World? Yeah. I mean, I knew it was a spinoff, but I didn't know that he was a producer on it. He controlled his empire. Oh, okay. So yeah, he was a producer on and that. now it's crumbling down. <laughs> <laughs> The top song of the year was Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles. Which is a song that I probably hated when I was a kid, but as I got older, actually, I don't mind it so much. It, it can have annoying parts to it, very repetitive. And a couple of interesting facts. The Legend of Zelda was a released for the NES system. Okay. And this one isn't so much pop culture as it, as it made me laugh. I'm just going to read this straight off of the site I'm looking at. Alfonso Hayden Jr., a robbery suspect in Sacramento, fled into a darkened movie theater to escape police. He became so engrossed in the movie, RoboCop, that he failed to notice that police had a vacuum evacuated all the other patrons in the theater. When the lights flipped on, the stun man was taken into custody. <laughs> that's a funny story, yeah. I mean, RoboCop, yeah, it was a fun movie at the time. I don't know that that's one we'll ever do here, because that wasn't a movie that we got into. No, I mean, it was definitely, I mean, it was a rated R movie at the time, and I don't think we ever really got to see it. No, and I remember actually the first time I saw it, I was actually disturbed by it, because there's a couple of disturbing scenes in there. I never watched the remake that they did recently. I heard it was pretty shitty. Uh, I didn't see it either. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> when the wells start drying up and we get, <laughs> we're done with everything else, we'll get to RoboCop. <laughs> Then I guess without further ado, let's dive into The Running Man. The Running Man, as we said, from 1987, directed by Paul Michael Glaser. Funny thing about him, he does a lot of TV directing, also acting. He was Starsky in Starsky and Hutch. No shit. Yeah, the, the director of The Running Man was Starsky. How ridiculous is that? My understanding was is that he was a last second replacement. Oh, okay. There was someone else because I read somewhere that Arnold wasn't particularly happy with the way the movie turned out, but he didn't really blame the director because there was more in-depthness that was supposed to kind of go into some of the storyline and this, this guy glacier was kind of a last second replacement and didn't have the time to do all of the real background and he was a tv director so he kind of shot it like a tv show yeah which almost makes sense because you basically spend the time watching a tv show in the movie i mean it's essentially what it is it's pretty similar yeah so he didn't really blame him for he wasn't happy with the outcome but he didn't really blame him for it because he was so kind of less second one other fun side note about paul michael glazer is that he he also directed the 90s Shaq classic, Kazam. <laughs> Kazam the Genie. Yeah, same director. I'm not really sure that's something you want on your resume. <laughs> Fair enough. This movie was based on a Stephen King novel, but it was not under Stephen King's name. This was one of Stephen King's pseudonyms, Richard Bachman, that he wrote a novel called The Running Man, which apparently this was very, very loosely based on. I never read it. I don't really know what the how similar it is. I've read the synopsis of the book and some of the ideas and concepts are there, but it's not really related. Funny thing was, is when producer Rob Cohen bought the rights, he had no idea that Richard Bachman was actually Stephen. Stephen King. 
Oh, okay. I mean, they didn't credit him as Stephen King. They credit him in the movie as Richard Bachman. Right. Yeah, I could totally imagine that Hollywood would have, like, saw this book. And it was probably really about, like, the resistance and political stuff and, and something like that about the, you know, dystopian future kind of shit. And then this TV show was just kind of like a real side note. And then they're like, no, 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 no. We need to have Arnold and we need <laughs> to have the TV show. And that's the shit. Right. Uh, and that's, I bet it's, yeah, exactly why it was so loosely based. <laughs> Music was done by Harold Faltermeyer, who is famously the guy who did the Axel F theme in Beverly Hills Cop. Man, that guy's my hero now. Immediately recognizable song. And and that style is all over this movie too. It is, and it, for me it worked. Yeah, oh yeah, this movie was so fucking 80s. Yes. Like everything about it. And that electronic-y score just fit perfectly well it's also kind of set in the future it kind of made sense yeah uh well set in the future for them it's actually was set like right in around today now (laughs) the first thing you see on the crawl is in 2017 exactly uh which we'll dive right into actually sure so this is our second arnold schwarzenegger movie that we are reviewing but also the second arnold schwarzenegger movie that has a crawl that we are doing (laughs) which i just i guess i forgot how many movies of his have crawls which it says by 2017 the world economy has collapsed food natural resources and oil are in short supply a police state divided into paramilitary zones rules with an iron hand television is controlled by the state and a sadistic game show called the running man has become the most popular program in history all art music and communications are censored no dissent is tolerated and yet a small resistance movement has managed to survive underground when high-tech gladiators are not enough to suppress the populace learning for freedom more direct methods become necessary it's amazing how closely life is imitating art at this point oh god i saw i mean one knowing that this was set in basically now and then just kind of looking into it and how much like this game show and like politics and like all this shit i'm like wow this doesn't seem far off man (laughs) (laughs) no it doesn't there's some funny lines that come up later that i am just like oh my god they nailed it on the head with some of this stuff (laughs) which we'll get to so this movie stars arnold schwarzenegger obviously as we mentioned maria alonso who really hasn't done much since she's done some like tv stuff and bit parts but she's not hasn't done a lot of big acting the only only other thing I know her for him was Predator 2. Which was a fine movie. Dan, I mean, that's actually a pretty underrated movie, I think, yeah, a lot of, I would have to say. I agree. And then Richard Dawson is probably the next, like, main, the three main characters. Who Richard Dawson was a game show host of The Family Feud. He was on The Match Game for a long time. But we have some fantastic side characters. People like Jesse Ventura, who plays Captain Freedom. Jim Brown, the running back Hall of Famer, who plays Fireball. And then we get Mick Fleetwood playing Mick. <laughs> and we have Dwayne. Weasel Zappa playing his number two, I guess you would say. His his Will Riker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So after the crawl, we cut to we're in a helicopter and there's a police military operation going on. We see Arnold, a.k.a. Ben Richards, is our pilot. It's a food riot that's happening in Bakersfield, apparently, which is a city in California. Richards is ordered to kill them all, to wipe them out. And Arnold, he's too good of a person. And he says, no, the acting in this first scene is so bad. I know. (laughs) (laughs) To hell with you. Exactly. But basically he has to fight his team to try and not kill this massive group of people and follow the orders. So he's disobeying orders. They actually end up taking him out and he gets taken into custody. Funny side note, the footage of the attacking helicopters is actually stolen from the King Kong movie from 1976. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. 
And then we get a cut after they're kind of done with all of that. And it says it's 18 months later and we're kind of in a prison labor camp. We see Arnie has a beard. He looks good with a beard. I'm not going to lie. He really does. Yeah, I, I'm surprised he doesn't do it in more movies. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's been 18 months later, so we're probably in 2019 somewhere now. Not that that really matters, but like, so we're like, we're just right around this this time period of where we are today. Yeah. We kind of get some setups of this perimeter security system that they have. They call it the death line. We just see that the prisoners aren't really allowed to go past that area. Richards starts a riot and the entire penal colony just jumps in into the riot very easily. I thought that was, maybe maybe everyone had it planned or something. I'm not sure. I got it that only Arnold and, and his little group were the ones trying to do this, but he threw one punch and then all of a sudden everybody was starting to fight the guards and everything. Yeah. But whatever. It doesn't matter. It's, it's an Arnold movie. They get guns. They're starting shooting everybody. They're trying to deactivate the perimeter. They're shooting guards down. We get a fun scene of, well, I find it fun, when they temporarily have the death line down and this one guy, Chico, thinks he can make it yeah. and he starts bolting. Chico, come back. The death line's still up. And then a guard reactivates it and his head explodes and it's awesome. I thought that was actually a pretty cool effect. It was. It looked really cool, but it's fun. The only thing that got me was they're sitting there yelling at him and in my head I'm like, shoot the guard. The guard is standing yeah. out in the open by the <laughs> computer. The sonic things aren't stopping the bullets. Shoot the guard. Which which they eventually do. Yeah. If you're going to set take the time to set up these perimeter things, you got to show what happens if you violate them. Yeah, we get that set up. It's, it's fun. They eventually shoot the guard who is reactivating the perimeter and they all escape. They put in the codes, they get it done, and they're out of the prison. So boom, they're kind of done. That's fine. That's where our story is actually starting, really. Yeah. We cut to Los Angeles and it's obviously like a shitty, overdeveloped, not too far from where we are now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like in a hobo village is where they're hiding out here we see a commercial of the running man they have like a big huge tv going on in this hobo village and we see a commercial of the of the running man which is just the most popular tv show the funny thing is like when you re-watch this movie you can tell that the entire commercial that they put on is just reused footage from the movie itself yeah. they did not reshoot anything for that faux commercial they just like they use shots of like you see even like a spot of like where it's arnold and someone else like diving you can't tell because it's from behind. Right. But like all these other shots that you're going to see in the film again is in this promo material that they just used earlier. And I'm sure the director is just like, eh, fuck it. I mean, nobody knows what's coming up, so might as well put it in. But when you watch it again, you're like, wait a minute. I've seen all these scenes. This is bullshit. So here in this uh, hobo village, we meet up with resistance fighters. And two of the other people that escaped with Ben Richards are named Laughlin and Weiss. And they're kind of like his, they're buddies. They're, they're, they are really in this resistance and Richard's Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't a part of it. He doesn't care about it. No. He doesn't really want to do it, but they are fully committed to it. And we run into the resistance leaders here. Well, and in fact, the resistance leaders recognized Arnold as being a cop that put other resistance fighters away. Yes. So they didn't really want him in there anyway. But Arnold, at this point, Arnold's uh, motivation is really just to kind of clear his name. Yeah. At this point, he doesn't even give a shit about the resistance fighters, really. But yeah, so they meet the leader of the resistance, who is Mick Fleetwood amazing guy from Fleetwood Mac. His character's name is Mick, and he actually even has a line where he said he talks about the government, that they burned all of his songs. So I have a theory uh -huh. that he's actually just playing himself in the future, that Mick Fleetwood is playing Mick Fleetwood in the future, and he becomes a 
resistance fighter because he's angry that the government has started censoring all of his stuff. I like that theory. I like to think of Mick Fleetwood as being kind of a pushback resistance guy. Yeah, he's got some like um, age makeup on yeah. that you can kind of tell, but he's I like him. He, I mean, he doesn't have very many moments in this movie, but I think he does fine. Yeah, I think he does okay. I also like Dweezil Zappa as kind of like the kid sidekick. Yeah. He doesn't have, <laughs> also doesn't have very many lines, but I don't know. I always just kind of kind of liked him. Yeah. Dweezil Zappa, for those who don't know, is the son of Frank Zappa, or, you know, rock legend. Something that is kind of a random thing, but I, something I noticed that I looked up, because one of the things that you always like to see in sci-fi are sort of futuristic guns and sort of futuristic tech and guns. And granted, we're watching a movie from 30 years ago, but I mean, the guns looked pretty futuristic and stuff. And I was like, oh, I bet those are props. No, those were all real guns you could buy at the time. And most of them you can still buy now. Nice. <laughs> There's a couple of weird looking ones, like a, a Steyr AUG, I think was in there. And uh... I, I remember seeing the AUG and I only really remember that because I played a lot of Modern Warfare at one point. Yeah. And I remember like, I, and I, and anytime I see that gun, I can, can recognize that out a col- with a couple others. There's one called a Coleco M100. It looks like a ray gun, but it's actually like a little 22 long rifle. They had this really unique cylindrical magazine that could hold like a hundred rounds in it. It looks futuristic, but it's a real gun that you can still buy. There was also another one that they used in the movie called the M950, which is a pistol that looks like another ray gun, but it's just a 22 long pistol. So we are with the resistance and Richards doesn't really want to have anything to do with them. He kind of says his brother's going to help him get out of Los Angeles. And so he, he ditches him. Uh, so now we cut to Killian who is played by Richard Dawson, classic game show host. And he's kind of entering the TV studio building in his limo. Uh, we kind of immediately find out, as an audience, we immediately discover that this is someone we're not supposed to like, that he's an asshole. Yeah. And it really, it's that the janitor scene. He's walking into his big building and this janitor is mopping and he accidentally mops on Killian's feet. And he's just like this sweet old janitor. And the second that Damon Killian walks away and gets into the elevator, he says, Brenda, if that asshole is mopping the floor, tomorrow you'll be mopping it for the rest of the week let's go and it just sets up that okay he's a bad guy we don't like him yeah if there are any richard dawson fans i might uh, break your heart with this one but uh some inside workers from uh family feud stated that how he acts in the movie is actually a lot how he acted in real life oh i don't think you're breaking any hearts there i mean you could tell he just he just he was a creep yeah he, you could just tell he was a bit of a creep he oozed creep yeah exactly i mean he's not even close to my favorite family feud host no who's yours mine is ray combs that's the same for me i always thought ray combs was the best family feud host yeah he was he was nice just a good guy i enjoyed him a lot i actually really liked richard karn also when he was hosting i did too so he, he might even be my second over richard dawson then maybe he's who's my third and then i don't know i kind of liked louis anderson just because louis anderson's ridiculous <laughs> John O'Hurley and Steve Harvey, they're fine. They're all fine. But Richard Dawson, you know, I mean, he would like kiss everybody and just kind of be like oozing like, hey, I can kiss anybody I want. Yeah. Uh, but also probably partly because it was the 70s. <laughs> I know it's not an, an old TV show, but I thought that the Family Guy parody of him was funny. It's from an older episode. You know, you know how they kind of do flashbacks in Family Guy or sort of like these sidebars. You mean that's all they do in Family Guy? Yes. There's one where Peter is the host of Family Feud and he goes, uh, oh, I've been dying to get back on television ever since. I stopped hosting Family Feud. How are you, Betsy? Welcome to the show. You are a lovely young woman. And let me just get my hand up there and feel that one. And that one. And we're looking for something you shop for at the mall. 
three seconds. And then goes on with the game. And it kind of was like, you know what? That seemed like something Richard Dawson might have done once. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he just seems like the kind of guy who, very misogynistic, who in the back room, you bet he just patted people's asses and gave some squeezes and like just, just abused his power. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I just have that feeling about him. But anyway, let's move on. All right. <laughs> so now we're cutting back to Richard's, just a scene where he's going to his brother's place. The brother's code still works. And so he gets into the apartment, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel right for him. It's not really his place anymore. We eventually see someone coming in who is a female. So she's now at her home and we kind of know that Arnold is there. And what I love is she's watching a workout video with Captain Freedom played by Jesse Ventura. It's the best workout video ever. It's so, it's like a jazzercise thing. Are you ready for pain? Are you ready for suffering? If the answer is yes, then you're ready for Captain Freedom's workout. And it is so 80s, and it is so good, and I want that tape. I wish they actually did a Captain Freedom workout. What gets me is he's basically just yelling at you through the TV the whole time. (laughs) But Arnold kind of comes in while she's working out, and he's kind of confused, so he kind of holds her, I guess, hostage for a little bit to no other way to say it. One more thing that bothered me. Who does their workout in lingerie? Oh, yeah, yeah, she was doing it in lingerie, not workout gear or anything. Yeah. It didn't make any sense. No. Because she wasn't like, I doubt she was wearing that lingerie under her work clothes. Right. She probably changed into that lingerie to work out. And she's like doing this work on, on what looks like a very, very early Bowflex. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely a Bowflex because we see a little bit later that Arnold ties her to the Bowflex. Right. <laughs> Just kind of as he's kind of keeping her hostage. But yeah, she looked good in the lingerie. I, I have to say, cool. Right. But yeah, it didn't make, it was not practical. Yeah, that part didn't make any sense. That was probably a, you know, wardrobe decision made by a man. Of <laughs> You're, well, that's probably true. Uh, we learned that Arnold's brother was apparently taken for re-education. That's the only time we're really brought up re-education. Right. Uh, but we can just kind of assume he probably got a lobotomy or something yeah. like that. Or he's dead. Uh, we cut back to Richard Dawson. It's going to get confusing in my head because he's Richard Dawson, but Arnold is Ben Richards. Yeah. And Richard Dawson is Damon Killian. So I'm just going to have to say it's Ben Richards and Damon Killian. I'm going with the character names. Okay. So when I say Richards, I mean Arnold. So we cut back to Damon Killian and he's picking contestants for the show. And the show is one where they, it's a, it's, it's a gladiatorial event where they have prisoners and people who have committed crimes are kind of fighting their way through this. I mean, another way to put it, it's not quite hunger games but hunger games-esque kind of style right. but they're they're getting through this game show this whole like massive block area where that if they survive then they can win their freedom kind of similar enough to gladiatorial combat back in the roman times it's kind of like a, just a modern updated version yep and so he's going through picking some convicts for the show one funny moment i don't know if you caught it while he's looking through his computer at the list of different convicts one of them is nicknamed Babyface, and the picture was an actual baby yeah <laughs> i love that i saw that i don't think i ever caught that in all the times i've seen this movie yeah i didn't either i saw it this time and i didn't say anything as i was watching it because i watched it with my wife a couple nights ago i didn't say that but i had in my head i'm like wait 
Was that a baby? That was an actual baby. Yes. But while he's doing this, he kind of glances at some news footage of Ben Richards escaping the prison Mm -hmm. and doing this fantastic run, which is perfect for his show, The Running Man, because you're supposed to basically just run away from these gladiators, from these stalkers, as they're called. Right. And that's the kind of the whole point is people just to like get into their big arena area and just run and they have to outrun the stalkers. He sees the footage and he really wants Richards. So Killian is basically saying this is the guy I want us to get we need to make it happen some funny lines here he wants to call up the justice department to kind of like I guess get permission to use Ben Richards for this and he says get me the justice department entertainment division which I think is hilarious (laughs) it's like oh fuck we are so close to that right now and then he also says get me the president's agent which it's just like our president has an agent Oh yeah, 100%. It's just funny. It's just like a couple things that they are are close enough to reality. Cut back to Ben Richards and here's where he's got Amber Mendez, who is now living in his brother's old apartment and he's got her tied up on a Bowflex and he wants to get out of LA and so he kind of devises this plan to escape via the airport using her travel pass. Basically, he's taking her hostage. He gets this old shitty Hawaiian shirt from nowhere. It doesn't really matter. He's trying to escape, making it look like they're going on vacation. I think this is a pretty fucking dumb plan. The entire time, he's just like kind of holding her neck and saying, if you move, I'll snap your neck, Mm -hmm. which is fine because it's Arnold and you kind of can believe it. Uh, He kind of shows his strength to her at one point to kind of scare her. But the only, I'm, I'm trying to, figure out why he even needed her at all. I assume it's because he knows that the cops are looking for a single person. So he's trying to use her as a diversion tactic that, oh, this is a couple. So it's not, it must not be Ben Richards, but like he can use her travel pass without ID. They establish that as he's trying to go through the line. Right. So why the fuck did he have her at all? He should just go by himself. That was the point my wife brought up as we're watching this. She's like, why did he even bring her with him? The cop didn't even really look. He would have been through on the plane and gone at that point. Exactly. It would have been so easy for him. Like, yeah, it didn't make any sense. I mean, that's the only thing I'm trying to rationale about it is to why, but they never really stated it or Arnold never really made that clear to us. So, oh, well, she kind of actually becomes the reason he gets caught. She punches him in the nuts and runs away (laughs) and and tells everybody that it's Ben Richards because, you know, she doesn't want to be hostage for him. I wouldn't want to be a hostage for him. Oh, hell no. And so he eventually gets caught in the airport by security it's uh, trapped up in a net but yeah so anyway when i saw his plan i was just like damn it arnold you're smarter than that we now cut to damon killian who wants him to be on the show and he basically blackmails richards to do it by saying your two friends laughlin and weiss are caught and if you don't do the show we will either prosecute them or kill them or something right he agrees to do it they kind of have like a i don't know a montage-esque scene of them prepping him for the show I guess they're putting in like trackers on him and doing just sciencey stuff. We cut back to Amber Mendez's apartment and here she sees the fake liberal news, the fake liberal media. <laughs> fake news. They have pretty much like overhyped and hyperbolized the story at the airport saying that Ben Richards has killed a bunch of guards and stuff like that where she knows that that's not how it happened. So she's starting to get an inkling that, you know, maybe he isn't as bad as she originally thought that because he told her that she that he was framed 
And so maybe she's starting to believe that a little bit. And luckily, she also works at that station. What a coincidence. Yeah, what a coincidence. I think she's a composer, if I remember. Yeah, uh, jingle writer. Yes, jingle writer. So here we are starting the show. We are starting the Running Man show. And it starts off with extreme 80s dancers. And that dance was choreographed by Paula Abdul. Was it really? Yep. Oh, that's. I mean, you couldn't get a more 80s choreographer <laughs> yep we're getting the the start of the show we're seeing the stalkers we kind of we first see buzzsaw these stalkers are just roided out big <laughs> yeah particularly buzzsaw he is like this big angry biker roid dude but in general like all of them are kind of like known to be these big larger than life guys here's the thing that kind of got me though they're all older guys they were all older yeah they weren't like guys in their prime who you'd think you'd want to be like doing this sort of thing like you know chasing after criminals they were all at least 40 and up yeah particularly jim brown as fireball yeah you know i mean captain freedom as well but he was kind of retired at this time right but yeah even like buzzsaw looked older dynamo is kind of hard to tell with him he was the youngest looking one yeah sub-zero was definitely older to professor sub-zero yeah sorry which i thought was funny but cool but his professional name i forget his name he also went by professor whatever his actual name was okay okay so maybe he was a legitimate professor in real life and they just kind of tied it into the movie Right. Uh, we have a very short scene of Arnold actually passing Amber in the hall. Amber is buying a Coke with a friend from work, and they mentioned that it's $6. And I just kind of find that funny with inflation. <laughs> <laughs> that it's six dollars for a can of coke but we see ben richards passing her and he's kind of angry at her because he knows she is the reason he's caught the other thing that kind of made me laugh about this scene is he's being prepped and led through as if he's like on death row except for the person who comes to talk to him is not a priest it's his court appointed agent <laughs> who's basically like reading his contract to him as they go to set yeah but i think that scene of ben richards walking through it's kind of like the last straw for amber who's like well shit i think this guy is innocent yeah and so so it kind of sets her off to do what, what she's about to do next. Now we're kind of really starting or getting into the show. We're getting Ben Richards into it and they're setting him up as the butcher of Bakersfield. And here is where we as an audience find out that he wasn't in jail just for disobeying orders. He partly is in jail and he is like this has become this huge war criminal because the media has turned him into the villain of that beginning scenario that we started off. Yep. They edited the footage to make it look like he actively wanted to kill all of those people. He wanted to massacre everyone where it was actually would have just been the orders that he was being followed. So me as a, a post person really makes me believe in the power of post-production and how important it is. <laughs> Because you can change people's mind easy. So, uh, John, if you ever piss me off on this podcast, I will edit you to sound like a boy priest molester or something. <laughs> I can take all your words that you that you say and turn it into something. Yeah, there was already one episode where, as I was listening to it, I'm like, I think Adam made me sound like an idiot on this episode. <laughs> Oh, John, you don't need any help doing that. Oh, fuck you, Adam. <laughs> yep. So we're about to get Ben Richards to actually start into the arena. We see Damon Killian is a liar. And that whole blackmail setup that he did to get Ben Richards going, he says, fuck it, and puts in his two friends, Weiss and Laughlin anyway. And so they're now all three going to be going into the arena. And here we get that classic Arnold line where he tells Killian, On your marks! Get set! Killian, I'll be back. But Damon Killian returns it with a fantastic line of, Only in a rerun 
<laughs> I love that. I mean, you get the great Arnold line, but then you get like a rebuttal to it, which is just as good. Yes, which you don't often get when he says that. No, exactly. Usually it's just like that's the finale of that scene. So they enter the arena by going on this like steel bullet cage thing and they're going down this roller coaster tube and I fucking wanted to ride that so bad and i still want to ride that so bad i wanted to ride that so bad as a kid nowadays not so much no no i mean it looks scary as hell but it looks fun i mean it's literally just steel on steel because you see the sparks going yeah it looks unsafe as shit <laughs> yeah it's the point of roller coasters sure my favorite roller coaster of all time is going to be the georgia cyclone from six flags over georgia because after a while you could see the nuts and bolts were like rattling out of that thing and you felt like you could potentially die at any moment it was a fantastic roller coaster and then they i think they just recently tore it down or something so it's no longer they probably replaced it with a nice safe steel one but like those old rickety wood coasters that were like had a lot of tight turns and were shaking and you thought you could die those were the best (laughs) so uh, yeah i would do it okay we cut to amber who is starting to kind of be turned a little bit and so she searches the files for ben richard's unedited footage she's now really skeptical she wants to find out the truth but she gets caught like right as she pulls out the footage someone grabs her there's something that happens there that plays out later yes which didn't make any sense i don't know how where did she have time for that yes exactly that we'll talk about that when we get to that point but that little bit kind of bothered me because you see her hide it yeah all right we'll talk about it when we get to that point but yeah there's something that doesn't seem consistent so we're now getting into the game some more they have audience participation they pick a contestant and each contestant will get like prizes for each like close attack or a kill that the stalkers get and each contestant will pick the stalker that they want to hunt down the running man do you recognize the actress was the first contestant not off the top of my head well i don't remember her name but i absolutely remember her as charlie's mom from always sunny in philadelphia as you know i'm as sick as a three-legged dog on the streets of india give me money money me money now me a money needing a lot now the second she popped up and she was edith i think is her character's name immediately i was like oh my god that's charlie's mom so for always sunny fans out there she is the first contestant in running man she chooses sub-zero to start well my husband and my little boy they have their favorites but um i like my men big and cuddly He is this large Asian guy who has a profinity for hockey, and so I like him because I'm a (laughs) hockey player. We cut to, we're at the bottom of the roller coaster finally. Everybody, they're kind of herding Ben Richards and Laughlin and Weiss into the entrance area of the arena, and it looks looks kind of like Mad Maxi people out of nowhere. Yeah, you can't tell if those are folks who live there or if they're hired by the, the station to kind of get them going, or that part didn't really make any sense. No, it didn't matter, but whatever, they're getting him through to the arena. But we're just going to jump right into the Sub-Zero battle. Uh, we're kind of in this, I guess, icy floor warehouse where Sub-Zero is waiting for them. He's shooting bomb pucks at them. He is trying to slice them with his goalie stick that has razors on it. He's got his net is also a, a trap door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of like funny hockey things. Yeah, it's cool. And they, they eventually fight off and Arnold kills Sub-Zero by wrapping him in barbed wire and he basically bleeds out from the neck. Or, like, chokes him to death, basically. He chokes, yeah, with with barbed wire around him. This completely silences the crowd. Everybody is stunned because a stalker has never died. Apparently, all of the running man participants were actually just, like, running away, and none of them ever fought back. (laughs) And now Arnold is a badass, and he's 
fighting back and he's winning. He at least won this round. There's a lot of great one-liners in this movie. The only one that bothers me is the one that he gives after he kills Sub-Zero. Oh, you don't love that one? I love that one. No, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's not like so bad it's good. It's just so bad. Here is Sub-Zero. Now, Plane Zero. The other ones I was fine with, but this one still bothers me. You see, because he's a plane zero, because he's dead now. He's <laughs> nah, nothing. I get it. And then he also adds in when they're kind of leaving. Right, sure glad we took care of Sub-Zero. Yeah, he was a real pain in the neck. Because <laughs> he wrapped it around on his neck. It's good. Yeah. It's fun. It's <laughs> it's classic Arnold. Classic Arnold, yes. So Sub-Zero is the first stalker to ever die in the arena. And the audience needs to pick new people to come in. And, you know, who's the next stalker that will come in? They ultimately decide and send in two different stalkers. Buzzsaw, who we saw earlier, who's this very angry, roided, chainsaw-wielding guy. And then Dynamo, who is this opera singer who has like a fucking light bright on his <laughs> chest yeah. and his helmet. He's got like a weird like Roman helmet with light bright and this chest plate with a light bright and he shoots electricity. He does not look like a stalker at all. He looks like a fucking tomato that has toothpicks for legs. <laughs> a round body with toothpicks on his legs and that is Dynamo. Yeah. He is not a athletic guy. He is not an intimidating looking guy. It's just because of his electricity stuff. Yeah, I don't remember if that's a character from the book, but someone should have been like, listen, this doesn't matter if this is a character from the book. We got to be able to come up with something more badass than this. At least a better actor. Right. I mean, the guy was, he's a fine actor, but his look was so not intimidating to me. It was so 80s too. Yeah, it was very. We cut back to uh, Richards and his buddies and they kind of go on about noticing the camera relay that the camera relay is not pointing out to the sky to a satellite. It's pointing inwards, which basically means it's, it's something about the resistance honestly i don't really give a fuck about it right it's driving the resistance plot but like i just i want to see more gladiatorial shit so right i don't i don't care about this stuff i don't care about the resistance all of that extra side note i don't give a fuck about as an audience member yeah i just want to watch arnold fight these stalkers and move on but i guess they have to have some kind of plot to move it forward yeah cut back to damon killian who finds out about amber and her finding that footage and they apparently send her down as well so she's now going to be joining them amber reaches ben richards and the group and then right afterwards pretty much dynamo and buzzsaw in their vehicles which dynamo's vehicle is like a little go-karty thing <laughs> it looks ridiculous but i really like it it looked like a like a miniaturized delorean yeah it did have a look to it like that i actually did like that like that when he came over that i was like that would be fun to drive around definitely would be fun to drive around and buzzsaw is driving a, a motorcycle he's got like a, a hog or something they crash the party and so now we have we've got laughlin weiss ben richards and amber mendez are kind of all together and they're a group trying to get through the arena and we have dynamo and buzzsaw coming in to kill them they get split up it's basically weiss and amber go one way and laughlin and arnold go another we get buzzsaw is fighting against ben richards and laughlin and he is using his chainsaw and he, he gets a really good swipe on laughlin at one point who pushes arnold out the way he, he saves him and he's not doing well no nope. arnold ends up fighting with buzzsaw and he does this whole grappling match and it's just two big angry guys <laughs> 
<laughs> going against each other. Arnold eventually ends up getting the buzzsaw between Buzzsaw's legs and driving it up and basically splitting him in two. And you get this funny moment of Buzzsaw <laughs> screaming in pain, which then turns into screaming in high pitch pain because it hits his balls if any male uh, listener out there has ever been hit in, in the nutsack. <laughs> I think we all have at one point. Yeah, it jokingly, you know, raises your pitch, which is not actually how it does at all, but that's... Right. <laughs> But it's a funny moment of him screaming. We then cut to Weiss, who is trying to, is cracking this code because it's all about he has to crack this code so he can get into the camera relays for the resistance, blah, 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 stuff I don't really all care that much about. But he's getting the code and Amber is remembering the numbers. And apparently she's got a very good memory when she's under stress because she's freaking out the whole time and almost doesn't seem like she's paying attention. It's kind of amazing. She still remembers it. We'll allow it. While he's getting the code and he gets all the numbers, like just immediately after dynamo comes in and electrocutes him to death very easily we get dynamo just kind of going around he's captured amber we get a moment where ben richards comes back and he's trying to help amber and now dynamo is chasing him in the car kind of a funny scene he crashes and gets stuck he kind of goes out like a bitch too he looks dumb he kind of goes out worthlessly go to commercial go to commercial god god go to commercial jesus christ i have no power Arnold was ready to kill him, but he shows his good side here to the audience where he doesn't kill Dynamo and he just kind of leaves him stuck. We get get another good line of Amber asks about Buzzsaw and Arnold tells her. What happened to Buzzsaw? Oh, he had to split. We get Laughlin is now officially dying. He took the chainsaw hit for Arnold. Now he's dead, but Amber has the code and Laughlin in his dying breath asks Ben Richards to not let their deaths be in vain and to go crack the code and to help the resistance. And so I guess Arnold is like, all right, fuck it. I'll do that. He's becoming a resistance guy, so good for him. Here we get a scene of Damon Killian is now offering Ben Richards kind of like on a closed loop screen that he's going to offer him a job as a stalker. We get this great angry line from Arnold. You cold-blooded bastard. I'll tell you what I think of it. I live to see you eat that contract. But I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine! Ah! (laughs) We now get to our next stalker. Like, Arnold is kind of disposed of three guys. He's killed off two, and one is uh, down but not out. Our next stalker up is Fireball, who is Jim Brown. Here, we have a contestant. They're supposed to pick who is going to get the next kill. They bring up Fireball anyway, and she says, oh, I think Ben Richards is going to get the next kill, which is awesome. So you, you see this little inkling of Arnold is starting to win over the crowd. The populace slash the resistance will uprise against the people at some point. You kind of get like little little bits of that. Yeah, you kind of get the, the sort of now used quite a bit, sort of classic line of the sweet old lady having the line of, That boy's one mean motherfucker. <laughs> I own this movie and I've seen it, you know, uncensored many times, but still in my head, because in my head is probably like the TNT cut or something that we watched on cable, (laughs) the cable cut, where I forget every single time that that old lady has that line, but it makes me happy every time (laughs) I watch it. Just the way she says it. It's not even the fact that she says it. It's the way she says it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So we kind of dive into the fireball fight. Amber and Richards get split up. We get to Amber kind of runs into this locker room area 
area where she sees the quote-unquote former winners of Running Man. Who now suspiciously look like uh, decomposing corpses. Yeah, there was, uh, they have some setup earlier where Damon Killian talks about, oh, you remember these former winners? They're now in the lap of luxury and this kind of shit if you win the game. Right. Now Amber finds out the truth. They didn't win anything. Fireball finds her. Uh, I love his line. She says that these were these were last year's winners. No, last season's losers. <laughs> Love it. That's good. I mean, yeah, this is this is not a movie where you need to think much, but it's the fun one. So he's gonna try and kill them. Arnold comes from the rooftop and pulls out his gas. <laughs> he comes from the ceiling. Yeah. You know, how did he get through this? That didn't make any sense, I guess. Thinking about it now, I allowed it when I was watching it, but now I'm just like, wait a minute, he came from above. Where the fuck was he? <laughs> and the ceiling they got split up. How did he know to get there? It kind of made me think of uh aliens. Like anytime the alien popped down from the ceiling, it was just sort of the same thing just kind of slow it wasn't like it happened fast it was slowly came down then boom popped the thing yeah he ripped out fireball's gas line then he ends up throwing a flare into the room and fireball explodes in a big massive fireball now i'm gonna expose a a plot hole here and my wife also pointed this out i was already thinking it when she said it but it was it was that obvious the cameras are following fireball she's in the room with the dead bodies she talks to him and and says is that how did not everyone else not see that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because they all saw, because the camera, or the, the audience all saw Fireball die. Yes. They, they have a reaction shot to it. Yes. So they all saw that. But did they not see that the former winners were dead as well? Did they not, like, get that whole interaction? That's a good call. Well, also, and then later, when they show the raw footage, they show the footage of the dead bodies. But at the end of the Dynamo scene, everything in that room was on fire. So there's a little bit of a plot hole here. <laughs> but... It's Arnold, you can forgive him. I get, Yeah, I guess so. He's, he's allowed a handful of plot holes for a good movie. We've got back to the studio audience and Damon Killian and Captain Freedom, Jesse Ventura, who is a retired stalker and who has that fantastic workout video. <laughs> They're basically calling him in to get dressed and get ready for a stalk because they are running out of stalkers. But none of that actually really happens because what they do is they use the power of editing <laughs> to fake it. That's your superpower. Yeah, exactly. That's my superpower. And they start, they just start throwing out all of these like graphics and editing terms. Uh-huh. Like they mean something, but they really didn't mean too much. <laughs> and they're just like, exactly. Let's just, we just got to put on a tracking mat and we're going to put the, the high res pixels and do all this other stuff. And it's just like, okay, I see what you're doing. You're just throwing out your graphics jargon, but it's cool. I mean, it made me happy. So basically, so what Damon Killian and his production crew are planning to do is they are going to map Arnold's face onto a stunt double. And they're going to have Captain Freedom fight the stunt double. And then they'll just have Arnold's face on it. And they will send that footage to the studio audience to basically fake Arnold's death. Yep. We cut back to Ben Richards and Amber Mendez. And somehow Mick and the Resistance are in the arena as well. So they kind of pull them aside and they kind of and they're watching this broadcast of Arnold dying but not really dying the fake news right. and basically Captain Freedom spears the body double into these spikes after this kind of like epic hand-to-hand fight now basically we're on to the resistance stuff we're kind of done with the arena and the running man game show really more or less although Amber has that moment where she says well now I guess you can do whatever or I figure what her line is and he's like are you kidding me now they're gonna hunt us all down they can't 
risk leaving me alive. So them making that footage and put and airing it proves to him that they're just going to do whatever they have to to kill him. So now he has to fight back, which is basically him going to fight with the resistance. They now plan to use the codes that Amber miraculously memorizes uh, to take over the airwaves and help broadcast the truth. And so here is where she pulls out the unedited footage that she was just quote unquote hiding somewhere. Right. And they even have a great line where he's like, where were you hiding that? And she looks at him and goes, none of your business. Yeah. So it was obviously uh, one interesting orifice (laughs) talking about the butthole. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I don't see how she did that because when she was caught, she didn't really have the time to put it anywhere other than a pocket. But anyway, Mick Fleetwood has a funny line that he says to some of his other resistance leaders as they're starting where he references Spock. He's basically like pretending that he's William Shatner, right. that he's Captain Kirk, basically saying, let's let's get this going, Spock, or something, and none of them get it. And Damon Killian has has another kind of like pop reference one with Gilligan, uh-huh. the Gilligan's Island, when he's on the phone. It just kind of, I don't know, I, I liked those moments yeah, because they just kind of showed like, oh, these old people with their old pop culture references that nobody gets anymore, but it's also because everything is so censored that no one would be able to know those stuff anymore. And that part actually kind of hits home with me because now that I, you know, since I became a teacher, even when I, even with the high school students, I reference movies all the time and I would reference things and I would just get blank stares, (laughs) face palm. So here we are. The resistance is kind of taking over the airwaves. They invade the station. They're going to put on their own video to show everybody the truth. We get Amber reunites. Dynamo apparently escaped the arena. You see, because he's just in his tidy whities (laughs) And his I guess he his pants got caught in the car or something. He had to pull him out by yes. it. Because he was walking around with the top part of his suit and then his underwear. So he's just such a not intimidating guy to me. No. But we get a scene where he is uh, basically talking that he's going to rape her. It's a little disturbing. Yeah, a little disturbing. She's got a gun, though, and she ends up shooting the fire sprinklers. Yeah. And it ends up shooting water on him, and he gets electrocuted from his electric suit, which we're kind of all now glad that Dynamo's dead. Yeah. Of all the characters to survive, why him? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad he's not that. We come back to the studio audience. There's a big gun battle going on, and here we kind of see Arnold being a good guy. He's like, get, get the audience out. Get them out of here. <laughs> and so it's just kind of showing that he's actually a real hero because he only wants to kill the bad people. Right. That studio has an inordinate amount of security. <laughs> All the amount of people that come out of, like, these hidden areas with guns shooting at Arnold and other people, where did that come from? Like, why do you need that much armed guards in your TV studio. It's a dystopian future. A dystopian present for us, I guess. Yes. The audience is now out, and we're pretty much left with just Ben Richards and Damon Killian left in the studio. We get a very short scene. We haven't even even mentioned Damon Killian's bodyguard yet, mainly because he's just kind of been in the background looking tough the entire time. He walks out. We get a very, very short scene of him not caring because how much of an asshole that Killian has been to him and he's made steroid jokes to him and whatnot Right. that the bodyguard just kind of like walks out intimidatingly and you're expecting this to be like the final boss fight basically of the of the movie. And then he just turns to Killian and is like, I guess it's the too much steroids and he walks away. And that's the end of it. And <laughs> So we don't get that fight. It was unnecessary, but it was kind of a funny moment of you're fucked, Killian. That bodyguard was uh, Sven Ole Thorsen. He's been in so many movies. He's I see that guy 
everywhere. He's in Gladiator. He's the first guy Russell Crowe has to fight in the arena. Oh, uh, okay. He's been in this one, Lethal Weapon. I think he's actually in Predator. You just see him in all different kinds of characters, spots in, in different movies. Well, yeah. I mean, he was fine. He's a big, intimidating looking guy. Yeah. Arnold is like fully left alone with Killian. He shoves him into that steel bullet roller coaster thing. We basically end Killian's life with a fantastic Arnold one-liner. You bastard. Drop dead! I don't do requests. <laughs> Sends him down the tube. We get Killian doing this roller coaster line for him. That was probably not as fun and scary. Right. <laughs> because at the end of it, there is a net to catch the other people, but I guess it's not there. And so he ends up shooting out the tube and shoots into a billboard of himself and blows up completely. I know. <laughs> it didn't make much sense why it had that big of an explosion. <laughs> Just for satisfaction, I guess. But that's about it. That's the end of the movie. We get the classic, everything wraps up. Arnold kind of kisses the girl at the end. The resistance is starting to take over. Or at least they take over this one popular show. It doesn't mean that they're actually going to do anything. We haven't actually taken down the government. We took down a TV show. Right. But we did clear Richard's name. You're right. We have that at least. Cheesy movie. We end with this super 80s song called Restless Heart by John Parr. John Parr, you might recognize, who did the song St. Elmo's Fire. Oh yeah, that's a great song. Uh, it's such an 80s song. Restless Heart is, is good. I, I am a little upset that I don't own that song and have it in my 80s repertoire. I have <laughs> a massive 80s playlist on my iTunes, and I am upset that I don't own this one, but I will be getting it soon because it's like it fits so perfectly. Final thoughts on The Running Man. You know, it's it's a great movie. It's a fun movie, despite, you know, s despite some of the flaws, which is going to come. It's an, you know, it's an 80s movie. It's an action film. You know, it, it had some problems, but it's just so much fun. So many great one liners. Good action. Fun to watch. This is a bad movie. <laughs> there is bad acting. There are plot holes. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any damn sense. But I don't give a single fuck <laughs> because this movie is so much fun. The lines are perfectly cheesily delivered. There's so much muscle and steroids that it just feels so 80s. And you're just like, you dive into it. You fucking love it. I loved rewatching this movie. It was a blast. It was a fun ride. It was something that just made me, just made me fucking happy. <laughs> Smile on my face. I loved every minute of this film. And so, man, I can't recommend Running Man any more than I could just from that statement. Like, it's it's a blast. It is a lot of fun. And uh, I have a feeling when it comes to Arnold movies in this podcast, he'll be back. <laughs> God, I cracked myself up. And 
And now we're going to talk about a TV show that was actually inspired by the movie we just discussed. Was it really? It was directly inspired by The Running Man, and that is American Gladiators. It ran from 1989 to 1997. Uh, there was a resurgence of the series, I think in like 2008, but it didn't last very long. This show just oozes 80s and 90s. Yeah. And plus, it wouldn't work today. I mean, now we have American Ninja Warrior, and that's sort of our gladiators, except for they're not facing yeah, each other. Yeah, but it's different. It, it is it's different. It's missing something. It's miss. It needs, we need like those big roided people who like, you have to <laughs> overtake, you know, like, oh yeah, you have to, you're conquering, you know, in, in American Ninja Warrior, which is, I love it, but like, you're just, you're conquering the obstacle and you're conquering yourself. Right. In American Gladiators, you have to conquer these fucking insurmountable, huge, you know, larger than life people. Yes. That's what I fucking love about it. I watched like five episodes of this. <laughs> I I turned it on and I couldn't turn it off. Yeah. I, and I had a fucking huge ass smile the entire time <laughs> I was watching this show. Like it is something I can have in the background right now. It, they have a collection on Hulu. It's only about like 20 episodes. Okay. For anyone out there who has Hulu, watch this show. It is so stupid. It is so funny. It's a perfect fit with the running man. Honestly. Yes. It is so cheesy. It is so lame, but so much fun. It's so much fun. And there were all things that I would have loved to try. Oh, God, yes. So if you if you weren't familiar with it, and by the way, I actually didn't watch this on Hulu. I watched it on YouTube. There were a couple episodes where whoever had it had videotaped an episode and still had the commercials. Oh, nice. <laughs> the first episode I watched was sponsored by the brand new Super NES system. Nice. <laughs> so that tells you how old it was. But basically, it was done sort of sports style. You had a couple of hosts talk to the episode, and, and it was sort of modern gladiatorial combat done in a very 80s way with leotards and foam balls. Yeah. And uh, you had two contestants uh, of each sex. So you had uh, two two guys and two girls. And you had gladiators. Uh, you had guy gladiators and, and lady gladiators. And they kind of separated them for it. So it was always the... Nowadays, you could probably integrate it. Because I can tell you this. Some of those lady gladiators could have fucked up some of the guy contestants. Oh, yeah. There was no shortage of roid, of steroids going through either of the gladiators, male or female. Like, they were all really big, intimidating people. So you'd have, uh, they'd have to go through different types of games, competitions, either uh, either just against the gladiators or kind of against the gladiators and themselves a little bit to score points. And then they went through this big obstacle course at the very end where they basically were going against time. The events were, were fantastic. I mean, they all had like a cool name like that. The big one at the end was called The Eliminate. Yep. Which was great. They had Powerball, which was where you had to put balls into baskets, basically, where you might get tackled by the gladiators. You had the joust, which is maybe like, to me, the joust is like... It was a s synonymous with the American gladiators. That and assault. Joust and assault. Joust being, you had the two, like, toothpicks kind of big things where you're <laughs> trying to hit people off of pedestals. And then assault is where a gladiator is shooting tennis balls at you. Yes. And you're trying to shoot back. Like, those two events, particularly joust and assault, right. were like, if they didn't have it in, like, every single episode it was probably not as good of an episode for me the only thing about uh, assault that kind of that didn't really bother me and to say that it didn't test any athletic ability would be disingenuous and wrong but it just didn't seem like it tested enough <laughs> like if you had to throw the tennis balls basically the contestants had to hit a target while the gladiator stood on top with this sort of like m1919 looking air foam gun shooting it you know couldn't get hit or whatever but i mean you did have to kind of dodge and stuff so i mean it was athletic but in the end of it you had to go from station to station 
station and they all had different looking air guns. One looked like a rocket launcher and, you know, one looked like a pistol. And a crossbow. And, and a crossbow, pistol. yeah. But the games were all just a lot of fun. There was one where you raced against your opponent in a maze and inside the maze were gladiators with foam shields. The only part that bothered me was the gladiators never really did anything other than just kind of like push you. Yeah. That part was, eh, I could have done more. I could have had more there. <laughs> but you had great, the gladiators all had great names. Yes. There were quite a few over the years, but uh, kind of some of the ones that synonymous with the show, Laser, Turbo, Ice, Nitro, Gemini, Diamond, Blaze, Saber, Zap, Malibu, (laughs) Thunder, Viper, all kinds of, uh, I mean, there were so many different ones that kind of went through over the years. Fantastic names. Love them. And all in like these interesting red, white, and blue uh, leotard spandex type situation. Honestly, it was just a fun show. There's not really much kind of be said about it because there's not too much there. It's just a game show. There's not much substance. It is just a game show, but it was just a lot of fun. If you like sports and athletic and competition, I think it's kind of a show that fits for you. And if you like a healthy amount of cheese, <laughs> this show is definitely definitely right there for you they had the two announcers where one was this one guy at um mike adamley but he was kind of like the one he lasted through like all of this the series just the original run i mean uh-huh. the other guys were always going to be were always like a, a former sports person i think in season one it was joe theisman uh-huh. in like season a couple next seasons it was larry zonka zonka was probably the one that i watched most yep with that group but they would ask these dumb questions very much like sports sideline reporters like oh how are you going to do better in the second half well i'm going to do better like you know I'm going to run harder and I'm going to try and score stupid shit like that. We're just like, right. it was just a, a made up sports show. But if you like sports and if you like that kind of ridiculousness and like the over the top, I, which I do being the Arnold fan that I am, I loved this show. Did you happen to watch any of them from like early on in season one? Or like, did you watch the pilot episode by chance? Like the first episode? I didn't watch the pilot episode. Oh, I did. <laughs> All of the events weren't kind of fleshed out yet. Right. They kind of weren't exactly the same as kind of what we kind of knew and love. And they had a weird thing where their referee in the beginning, like the judge, was not dressed up like a real, like a referee with like, right. like a striped shirt. He was dressed up like an executioner. <laughs> It looks really fucking dumb and it's totally out of place. It makes no fucking sense where they would ask like this executioner looking judge, say the gladiator like fucked up and like accidentally used his hands where he was supposed to just hold on to the joust. Then the executioner would like do a thumbs up, thumbs down in a very stupid, serious manner. Like it was even worse early on. And I'm so glad they changed that to like just a sports referee. Yeah. The referee that they got always had these lines and I loved them and you could hear him every fucking event. He would say... Defenders ready! Gladiator ready! He said it the same way every time. Yes, and it was awesome. Like, I just was a, a big fan. That guy's name was Larry Thompson. Okay, yeah, he was in probably like every episode after they got rid of that dumb executioner. But yeah, like the events, oh, I wish if Universal Studios was smart, they would continue to have like an American Gladiator setup because I want to do Assault. I want to do the um, <laughs> Atlasphere where you get into like the big metal hamster balls and you have to, yes. you know, land them on stuff. All of that shit was super cool. Like the human cannonball where you get on the rope and you try to knock someone off of a pedestal right like all that shit seems so cool and i would i would pay money would pay (laughs) all the money i had (laughs) to go in and battle a gladiator and do that kind of shit fuck that would make me so happy (laughs) make that part of the theme park oh yeah this show for me was just 
a ton of fun. It's not for everybody, it, it and it's not for modern people, but it upsets me because I think it should be. Right. I think this is a show <laughs> that never should have stopped. I would have been watching it like the entire time. I watched the 2008 version completely, like every fucking episode. Okay. I loved it. Hulk Hogan and Layla Ali were the hosts. Right. And they kept every bit of the cheese factor and that is also on hulu actually if you wanted to watch that okay but like every bit is so cheesy the new gladiators are just as bad and just as roided up mostly right and you know they keep a lot of like the classic uh, events funny enough uh which i didn't remember until i watched i did watch an episode of the 2008 version just to kind of check how that was someone who i think i have we've used in a casting before on this show and someone who is an actress that we know from the movie deadpool Gina Carano was one of the gladiators in the revamped version. She was also an MMA fighter for a good while. Right. But she was the gladiator crush in the 2008 version. Nice. Uh, I'm saddened. My heart is saddened (laughs) that we don't still have American Gladiators. In the world of reality game shows that is so strong, that's been strong like since the year like 2000 and stuff, this show is the perfect embodiment of that, and we don't do it. (laughs) And I think we should. I want this show back really, really badly. Make it happen, Adam. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. We'll just record our own version. (laughs) God, we're going to be two out-of-shape fuckers trying to do stuff. (laughs) We can't get through, like, one event without passing out. Yeah, it's not going to go well. (laughs) We'll make our own American Gladiators with blackjack and hookers. (laughs) In fact, forget the American Gladiators and blackjack. (laughs) Thanks, Bender. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is brought to you by Lightbright. in the colored pegs and follow the patterns. It's easy to make your favorite pictures and characters, or you can always create your own light pictures. Light bright, light bright, turn on the magic of shining light. Light bright from Milton Bradley. Alright, now we're going to do our casting of The Running Man, imagined in modern times. So the characters for this one, we had to have our hero, and we have to have our main villain. So we're going to do Ben Richards and Damien Killian. There are a lot of side characters, and kind of deciding who to cast. I decided we've got to do Amber Mendez, the sort of love interest. I decided we probably didn't need to cast the other side guys. No. But I thought it would be a lot of fun to cast our own versions of the Stalkers. Yeah, like, those are the people that you love the most. Like, coming out of the movie, the Stalkers are the most fun part aside from Arnold and and even Damon Killian so I'm glad that you chose that though they were pretty tough to cast for me yeah I had a more tough time casting them than I think I did the two main ones Mm -hmm. so our full uh, cast list for this one we're going to do Ben Richards Amber Mendez Captain Freedom Fireball Dynamo Buzzsaw Sub-Zero and our main villain Damon Killian do you want to start with our hero or our villain I'd say let's go ahead and start with our hero. Okay, we'll just kind of go straight down that list then that I just listed. Okay. So, Ben Richards, he's our hero. He's got to be big. He's got to be strong. And today, there's just 
in my head, there's one guy who's filling the Arnold role, and I couldn't come up with anyone else who I thought would fit the best, and I went with Dwayne Johnson. Uh, he was the immediate thought in my head, too. Yeah. I specifically didn't go with him because he was just such the obvious choice, though. I mean, but I, I immediately thought the same thing. I ended up going with a, still a very strong guy. He maybe not be as tall, but he's still pretty big, and I've used him in other casting. I did Chris Hemsworth. Okay. Thor, he's a big leading man i think he's you know he's just because i was like well the rock is too fucking obvious i gotta pick someone else <laughs> even though i bet the rock would be in talks for redoing this more than anyone else and you know what would do a really good job in this role. yeah the rock would fit pretty well he's comedic and he's cheesy uh and i probably should have just gone with him <laughs> it's the obvious choice it's the obvious one it's the one hollywood would make but you know what the thing is is he would still do a good job in that role yeah all right so let's move on to amber mendez is sort of pseudo eventual love interest. Yeah, she's got to be, the actress has to be sassy, I think. Yep. Unfortunately, they don't really, you don't get too much good depth in Amber Mendez in this film. She's just kind of like a side female. You could really cast almost anybody, which is unfortunate, which has made it kind of hard for me. But I went with someone who still looks kind of Latina to an extent. Not not really, I guess. Right. She has definitely been sassy, <laughs> and she's kind of been that love interest in another movie that I'm a big fan of, and that movie being Deadpool. She's also the love interest in Fire. Firefly, uh, and that's Marina Baccarin. Baccarin, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Okay. But that's who I went with. I like her, and I could totally see her in that role mm-hmm. and doing well because she can she can be serious, she can bring humor. My pick, I went for a little bit more sass. She's a little bit over the top. Rosie Perez? No, <laughs> no, but thinking along the same lines, I actually picked Sofia Vergara. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's way over the top. <laughs> I don't know. I still like her for this role because she's funny and witty. Yeah. Honestly, the character is a little stale at times and yeah, it would probably add a little something to it. Okay. Your call is probably better. I'll concede. I think mine was a better choice on this one. I like Sofia Vergara. She's almost <laughs> comical. She kind of, she reminds me of, I don't know, like the modern day Charo to an extent. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it does. If you're too young to know who Charo is, Google it. Gucci, Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> Gucci, Gucci. <laughs> You know what? Let's. I'm going to kind of mess with the order actually a little bit. Let's go in order that we see our stalkers. So we'll start with Sub Zero because he's the first stalker we see. Okay. And I'll let you start this one, Adam, since you're the hockey guy. Since I'm the hockey guy and I love hockey, I've loved hockey since I was a kid, I still play hockey and I'm a goalie, which actually made me really connect with Sub Zero. <laughs> Are you going to cast yourself? I want, God, I wanted to. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I want to cast myself for Sub-Zero, but what I, like, I would love, fuck, that would make me so happy. (laughs) I didn't. I actually picked a non-actor for the role of Sub-Zero. I picked someone, because I'm a hockey player, I'm a goalie, I wanted whoever was to play this part to do a better job as looking like a hockey player and, like, shooting the puck more like a hockey player. And that guy, you know, the guy who actually did it didn't look very hockey-esque to me. Uh-huh. So I wanted to keep the character kind of similar. I, I kept him Asian. He's a Japanese. I picked I picked a Japanese hockey player who played a little bit for the LA Kings. His name is Yutaka Fukufuji. Uh-huh. He is not an actor at all. He is, ju- he is a hockey player. He is a hockey goalie. I picked him because he is an Asian goalie, and I want to have a better representative of <laughs> goalie in this film. So uh, he's my only, like, non-actor at all. So that's who I went with. 
Okay. And I would shit myself if you chose the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. No, I actually went with an actor. I also, I one of the things I, I did like about this film was the diversity of the cast. You have a German in Arnold. You have a, a Latina in... Um, he's, a, yeah, he's Austrian. He's Austrian. Whatever. I know, I know he's Austrian, but uh, <laughs> I went with an actor who's actually best... <laughs> He's best known for being in the George Lucas episodes one, two, and three trilogy. He played a small character in episodes two and three called Captain Typho. He's a New Zealand actor, and I'm gonna butcher his name. And I, if, if he's listening, I'll be shocked. <laughs> uh, but if he's listening, I apologize. Named Jay Lagaia. You're gonna have to look him up. You'll recognize his face when you see him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely I've seen him in plenty of stuff. Yeah, kind of a big Kiwi. So I I thought he would fill the role fine, and they could because Sub Zero really doesn't talk at all in the movie. This guy you could actually give him a couple of lines, and he he'd do real well with. And he's kind of a big guy, so I thought that would work pretty well. Well, that's a good that's a good call. That makes more sense. That's a much closer to an actual casting than mine is. So. <laughs> All right, so the next one we get is a pair. We get Buzzsaw and Dynamo. And we'll go, well, I guess we'll go with Buzzsaw first because he bites it first. I'll start. I have been looking for something to put this actor in because I really enjoyed him in Mad Max Fury Road. And I went for Buzzsaw. I went with, because Buzzsaw is kind of a big roided out guy. I went with this actor named Nathan Jones. (sighs) Who plays the the big, giant, the huge guy who's one of the sons of the main villain. Yeah. Big. He looks like a big roided out guy, but he can play that kind of character really well because he did a really good job in in Fury Road. So Nathan Jones is my pick for Buzzsaw. Okay. That's cool. I like that call. I went with someone who I hadn't cast before, a guy who I think is a is a good actor. He's he's done some fun actiony stuff on the show Marvel Agents of Shield. Okay, I think I know where you're going. So he's a big strong guy and in that show he actually carries around a shotgun that has like a fucking hacksaw on it or something yeah. where it's kind of got like he can slice stuff with, but he's a big strong dude. He would be intimidating. So yeah, his character is Mac on that show and yep. his name is Henry Simmons. That's a good call. I'd buy that too. That's a good one. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to put him in something as well because I like him a lot. Yeah. And he kind of like, oh, you know what? He kind of already carries around right now in like the last <laughs> season or two of that show. Basically this shotgun that, that you can also like slice people with. Right. So I think that's kind of what made me think of him. All right. Now our interesting one, Dynamo. <laughs> he's yeah. kind of an operatic singer. Yeah. He, yeah. He has some moments of just doing some random singing while he's like shooting people and stuff uh, with his electricity, which is exactly what led me to my choice i had it down with two different people one i was going for look one i was going for operatic value the actor that i was going for look is uh, a comedian will sasso if you've ever yep. heard of him yep. i know will sasso. he looks exactly like dynamo <laughs> but i didn't go with him i went with someone who doesn't look anything like the dynamo from the film but he can be intimidating he's kind of been a leading man before but he's also known for his singing as the phantom in phantom of the opera i went with gerard butler as my dynamo because he could actually sing and do some like opera shit which i thought would be really cool all right that'd be fun he's probably too big of a name to be like just a stalker just a villain, stalker, right but... i don't hate your choice but i'm not uh i don't love it but for the same thing you probably won't be overwhelmed by mine either yeah. <laughs> for your sub-zero pick you picked a hockey player uh-huh for my dynamo pick i picked a singer <laughs> Okay. First, I looked at operatic singers, but I thought it would be unlikely to have Andrea Bucelli uh, ride around in a car. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think he'd be crashing into shit. 
Yeah. So I didn't end up going with an operatic singer, but I did go with sort of a baritone, that sort of low voice. I don't know if he's done any acting. I didn't really look it up. He was big in the 80s. He's made a little bit of a comeback now. And uh, you know what? I, I, I'll say it. I actually love his voice. Yeah. I went with Rick Astley. Oh, Rick Astley. Yep. Oh, you know what? For some reason, I thought you were going to go Meatloaf. And I'm like, Meatloaf makes sense, <laughs> but not Rick Astley. <laughs> <laughs> meatloaf would make sense because he's an actor, but... If it was Meatloaf 20 years ago, maybe, or even like 10 years ago. Right. Not Meatloaf now. Meatloaf when he was doing Fight Club, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah, that would have fit. But Rick Astley, wow. Rick Astley. Yes, that is my pick for Holy shit. John, um, I don't know what to say about that pick. I, I don't know what to say about that pick. That's why it would work. All right, our next stalker is Fireball, played greatly by NFL's Jim Brown. I wanted to kind of put in a couple of extra sports guys in this one, so I put in someone here who's not a male. Okay. I went with a female athlete. She is a big MMA fighter. It's not Ronda Rousey. I don't actually think she's actually done any acting, but she looks tough as shit. She's a Brazilian uh, mixed martial artist, and uh, she goes by the name Chris Cyborg. That's a cool name. Chris Cyborg. Oh, yeah, yeah. She looks like she could fuck some people up. Yeah. I think that's a good call. I mean, I I didn't end up going against uh, the genders, but I definitely thought about it. And, like, the two that would have made sense are Fireball and Dynamo, mostly just because... I mean, granted, you could have, actually, most of these other women could beat the shit out of me too so it's right. not like they couldn't have good fighting skills anyway right but to go against someone like the rock in a hand-to-hand strength combat it makes sense with like fireball who could shoot fireballs or right. dynamo who's shooting lightning no i i think that's uh i think that's not a bad choice at all and it could also could still do some mma stuff right um in the fight too which would be pretty badass yeah i wanted my fireball to also be a former nfl player okay so uh, i went with someone who has done some acting he's played bit parts like this in other movies i I went with Bill Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Also a former wrestler. He's mostly known for former wrestling than he is for former football, but he was a football player for the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Go Falcons. I think he would be a pretty decent fireball, and he kind of would just, you know, he'd have that look, and he'd look intimidating. So that's who I went with. Okay, that's good. All right, Captain Freedom. Now, the one thing that did kind of bother me about the movie, and I kind of mentioned that part of this, all of the stalkers looked older. And a lot. some of them looked older than Jesse Ventura, who was quote-unquote retired. Yeah, Fireball, def- Jim Brown definitely looked older than Jesse Ventura. Right. To me, it didn't have to be someone who looked terribly older than everyone else. But it's got to be somebody who stands for America, damn it. He's got to look like he could have been a stalker or could still be a stalker. And I really kind of enjoyed this guy. I enjoy his personality kind of in real life. I I haven't seen too much of his acting. But my Captain Freedom is John Cena. Ah, okay. Okay. Interesting call. I wanted someone who, much like I chose with Bill Goldberg uh, as a former NFL player, I wanted someone who was also a former wrestler for my Captain Freedom. Someone who also stands for America. And I also 
went with John Cena. Yes! And his name is John Cena! You can't see it, but I'm doing the face thing. It just made sense. <laughs> like, you know, the former wrestler, like the American-y kind of thing. John Cena screams that, and he's done comedy kind of acting and some yeah. stuff like that, and, and some other, like, action stuff as well. Right. And so I think he is a, he's the perfect fit for the current Captain Freedom. All right. We had one. Yeah. We at least had one common one. Not to our big bad, sort of. I mean, he's not intimidating. He's kind of like the Lex Luthor-ish yeah, bad. He, this is the first person I cast, and I thought of him immediately, and I knew as soon as I wanted to cast this that he his, this was the guy I was going to put in this spot because in the actual movie they use someone who really did host was a host and hosted game shows I knew that this guy he's a host he does host the game show he's known more for being a host and hosting talk shows and stuff like that I went with Chris Hardwick Chris <laughs> Chris Hardwick yes uh, no I don't like that one <laughs> I don't care. He would be perfect for that. I don't think he would. I think he would be amazing at it. I love Chris Hardwick. I don't see him being... He's not a creep enough. Richard Dawson is a creep, and he he oozes that into Damon Killian. Chris Hardwick doesn't seem like a creep. He just seems like a a nice, cool guy that I want to go talk nerd shit with. You're right. And to me, that's why it would work, because in this case, it would be incredibly unexpected. It would be a switch. Uh Uh-huh. I think that's why it would work perfectly. Even though it's going to be Damon Killian, Killian, you're going to sort of see it as Chris Hardwick. It'll kind of be a fun switch to have his TV personality when the, you know, when the cameras are on and then just sort of this weird asshole-ish thing behind the camera. He's done acting. He's He's been an actor. He's been in, I think it would be perfect for that role. All right. I don't agree. I like Chris Hardwick a lot. I love the Nerdist. I love a lot of Chris Hardwick. It's just his his comedy is good. Uh, I've heard he's a really good bowler too, right? <laughs> yeah, he's actually an amazing bowler. His his dad was a pro, like a champion bowler. Yeah, and so maybe if we had like a, a bowling, a stalker who was a bowler, maybe <laughs> and, and a comedian who would try to laugh people to death and then bowl over them with a bomb bowl or something, that'd be perfect for Chris Hardwick. Not as Damon Killian. I don't like where you're going with this, Adam. <laughs> I feel like I'm being personally attacked for my choice. <laughs> I just think it's a bad choice. Uh, I still love you, John. But I went with an actor who actually is a really good actor. He hasn't done anything serious for a while, but I do think he is someone who gives off some creep vibes. To me, was important. And he is also a game show host. Funny enough, right now, he's hosting the show Match Game, which is where Richard Dawson got his start, really, when it comes to game shows. Mm-hmm. So I went with Alec Baldwin, who is a game show host. He's a very good actor, and I think he's got a little bit of that, like, oh, I bet he could be a creep. He could make the Damian Killian jerk asshole creep vibe work pretty well. I will concede that it is a good choice. I still think my choice is better. <laughs> you're you're totally changing everything about Damon Killian, I think, which is fine if you wanted to do that. But it's it now, man. Chris Hardwick just doesn't make sense. You're associating too much of Killian with Richard Dawson. Because they're the same person. They're exactly the same person. Right. So we, we can have a little change. We can have some change. Okay. I'm just gonna, I'm giving you the silent treatment because I don't agree with it. I don't think we've ever had this much discourse uh, <laughs> on a casting ever. <laughs> yeah. It's just because we're so passionate about this movie. Yeah, that must be it. Uh, I thought I made the perfect call with Alec Baldwin, but, you know, you think you made a great call with Chris Hardwick. We'll let the audience decide. You can tell us. You tell us who you liked better. Yes, exactly. Leave your comments on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our casting for The Running Man. 
please join us next time for an all-sci-fi episode. We review the 1985 movie Explorers, we review the TV show Star Trek The Next Generation, and we do a casting of books from the Star Wars Extended Universe called The Thrawn Trilogy. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blastpastcast. That's at blastpastcast on both Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.